Good morning. Good morning. It's a grand day. I wanted to just introduce, we have our special guest today, Charles, excuse me, Chris Harrell, a um, CPA from um, Southern California. And uh, he was just sharing with me before we started that it is a nice, warm 80 degrees right now, which is something that we really like and really probably want to look at how can we get our stocks up there like that, up in the high 80s and 90s. So, Chris, tell me something about yourself. How did you get started as being a CPA? And, and also tell me also how you got involved with stocks. Well, my my involvement in stocks actually goes back to my my community college days, taking a 102 accounting class, and there goes my phone ringing. And let's see if I know how to mute it. I think just I just goes to show you that. we're alive. <laughs> but I was taking a 102 class accounting, and my teacher was sharing with us. That he had, he was receiving dividends on stock, but the dividends he was receiving was more than the price he paid for the share of stock. And I, as an 18-year-old, I just couldn't comprehend how could you own stock with your dividends more than they actually paid for it. And of course, he had held it long term, meaning 20 years, with the dividends rising and that stock splitting. That it came to the point to where his dividend was actually more than he paid for the stock. And that intrigued me, and that started my education down that road of stocks. How I became a CPA at the same college, when I was taking those accounting classes, I determined this is, this degree seems easy. This class is easy. I could get a degree in this, and so I ended up getting my accounting degree. I had purchased a CPA review course, uh, but I got hired at Boeing out of college, but not wanting to CPA review course to go to waste, and knowing the aerospace industry, I decided to get my CPA license instead of staying with a public company like Boeing, and I went off into CPA land. Well, that's great. You know, there's a lot of times it's a it's a hard um, decision to decide whether you stay with the corporation or whether you go out and make strike it out on your own. So that's great. So. Tell me a little bit more about when do you think is the best time to invest? There really is no best time. You could always try to time the market, but you're really you're not timing the market, you're gambling. You're trying to buy it low, gamble and hope it goes high. To me it's there is the best time is when you have enough funds to get started with your investment strategy. Whether that's cover call writing, options, puts or so many ways to make money in the stock market. It's just you don't want to wait and time it. You just want to start somewhere and get going and get educated. Now, that's interesting. So how would one, be, you know, get educated about investing? You know, a lot of people um, feel that, like you said, about gambling. So how would one learn how to invest? What are some good sources, resources for that? Well, obviously your public library, but you don't even need to do that anymore. You could go onto YouTube and learn some trading strategies on YouTube. That's where I've learned some, where I've had a question. But as you know, we hired a mentor. And what the, our mentor helps us is he's cutting down my trading time and my reading time. He, edu he educated himself by reading all of these books. Instead of me reading them, I'm just using his knowledge 
and paying him a little fee to gain his knowledge and his experience and adapt it to my personality and my experience. It's either that or you have to learn from the, and I can't say you have to, you would go to the library or go somewhere and educate yourself to get started. Okay. What would be, um, let's say, you know, a lot of times people say, I don't have a lot of money. What would be uh, a way that you could double your money? You know, let's say you're taking it slow. What would be um amount that you would you could start with that you could see, relatively see, um, gain in terms of investing? Well, you could start with two, really two three hundred dollars, and you could see a nice return on that. And I tell this to my CPA clients all the time, who I educate about our cover call writing. But in this case, you're not cover call writing. You'd just be buying stocks to hold, and that stock is AT&T. It pays around a 5% dividend, and that's annually. So if I put $200 in AT&T, I know I'm going to earn 5% on my money over the year. If I'm waiting and I'm shy and I put that in a savings account at the bank, especially one of your larger banks, you're going to get 0.5% return on your money. So... Your money's not really growing. Inflation's eating into that. Where you're buying AT&T, your money's growing 5%. You can leave that dividend in there to help your account grow. But the key would be to keep adding money to that account every month. So you're able to either buy more AT&T or be, eventually be able to expand into a different strategy. Okay. Well, you know, uh, another thing you mentioned, something about... Uh cover call so trading so you would need a few more shares i mean a few more dollars to be able to do covered calls so let's say you said you could start off with AT&T and then you can allow it to grow and then you add to it so to really see that growth let's say you're starting with 200 so what would be an amount that you could feel comfortable do you think a person will feel comfortable do you think $100 or $200 would be a good match well, that's a trick question because every person's going to be different. Some might be comfortable with 50 and some might be comfortable with $500. The real answer to that question is how fast do they want to reach their financial goals? How fast do they want to become financially free? If they were willing to give up the $5 Starbucks every day, cut out some entertainment, cut out going out to dinner, and put their put $500 a month into their account, they're going to reach it a lot quicker than somebody who doesn't have the discipline or the resources and is able to only put in $50. But it, again, this being a trick question, the more money you could contribute to your future, the faster you're going to get there. Good. That's a good one. I, I appreciate you clarifying that because a lot of times people want to do the least amount. They say, I got it cheap. You know, but now when you want to broaden your view of what, you know, where you want to go, and if you would like to use this um, vehicle, the using investing in stocks and trading and stuff, it could actually replace your job. It could also replace uh, maybe a down payment on a house or something like that. So that those are some things that I've thought about, and so what do you tell your clients? Do you tell them to set a goal? Or what What do you tell your clients to do if they want to really make this uh, really work for them? Well, I, I try to get them to come to see our mentor here in L.A. just because I want them to hear it from a third person. 
but I just it really comes down to what are they trying to do? Are they? Just, I have one client who owns a lot of shares of Apple, but he's on margin. So, and he doesn't have. He's a very busy individual. And he doesn't have time to take the class. So I educated him and and taught him how to sell some covered calls. And he's ecstatic that he could sell covered calls on his Apple to generate enough income to pay the margin he's paying his broker. And margin is borrowing your broker's margin, your broker's money. You're just basically paying them interest fees on borrowing their money. So by educating him on a covered call, he was able to lower how much money he's putting out of every month to his broker. Now I keep hoping he would. I could start educating him better so he can make so much more money, but again, he's so busy in other endeavors that his stocks are are at the bottom of his totem pole. Okay. Well, you know, then it just depends. So uh, a lot of time people say, well, you know, I have a lot of money in my 401K or my IRA. How would you, what would you recommend, being that these are your clients, what would you recommend how they could, um, grow their uh, retirement income. Let's say they have a lot of money there. So, what, what could you? What would you recommend? If the four hundred one k and they're still not working with that employer, then I would have them roll it over to TD Ameritrade. And again, at a bare minimum, if they're very, very risk adverse, they could purchase AT and T stock, earn around five percent, without a lot of the ups and downs that their account would be having. If they're willing to be educated and learn, then they should be able to make 1% to 2% a month on their money selling covered calls very realistically. And the risk in covered calls isn't in selling the covered call. The risk is always in the stock. But as you know, we try to use stocks that have proven track records and that are meet our discipline and that are going up, or at least staying neutral. Okay. And um, that's something. So what do you think are the greatest risks? You know, um, we have to take some risks, but what are the greatest risks that you find in investing versus trading? Well, the greatest risk is, again, the stock going down. The stock going to zero, that's the most end of your fear. Those, so those are the two biggest risks. Your fear meaning you're just you're so emotionally attached to the money that you work so hard to build up that you can't fathom it going up and down. The risk of the stock going to zero is also in your mind because you'll hear on the news that Twitter is going down or this stock went to zero or there was fraud with this company or this drug company didn't get authorization from the FDA. We usually tend to pick stocks that are rising and I'll give you an example of Disney. I'll go to Disneyland here in Southern California, and I'll notice that the park is very busy, or I'll go outside at the downtown Disney, and I notice that it's busy. And it's busy. So just so, through observation, I could tell that the stock should not be going to zero because I see all of the cash that the company's generating firsthand. In addition, you have all the movies and merchandising that they're bringing in. So, but the risk is always in the stock going to zero, and that's always their fear. Okay. Yeah, that is, that is oftentimes one of the things people say um, about investing, and but not knowing and not having an education, I think, is what differentiates between you understanding the risk and not taking action. 
um, what if you decided, okay, I really like these stocks. I really want to make income per month. And let's say you, I have a goal of wanting to make $1,500 a month from, from the stocks. What kind of investment should I have? What, what size of my portfolio should I have so that I would be able to generate $1,500 a month? Not every now and then, but consistently. Well, that number is going to be bigger than you might think, but at, at the same time, that's also per month. But you would, your account would have to get to around a hundred thousand dollars, which, with my knowledge, which with what I've been educated, that's usually the same size of a retirement account. But you need about a hundred thousand dollars to make one and a half percent, and that's per month. So if you really sit back and think about it, one and a half percent times twelve is. 18% a year. So you'd be making 18% a year on your money, doubling it in about five years. And that's very conservatively. So that's a that's a really good thought to looking at. If you have your money parked in a um, savings account, let's say you had $100,000, you might be better off going into um, going into the into the market, getting an education and investing into quality stocks to earn that uh, 1.5% per month. Well, let me give you this example. If you have $100,000 and it's bank in a big bank somewhere, you might, if you're lucky, get 1% a year. With what we trade with the cover calls, you should be able to make 1.5% a month. But I like to always play devil's advocate. Let's say our stock were to pull back, and we made our 1.5%, but now we can't do anything else on the stock because it has declined a little bit, and I don't know, and I'm not educated how to unwind out of that without losing money. So I, And that stock pays a 2% dividend. So I wait one year. Well, in that first year, guess what? I made 2.5% on the dividend. I made 1.5% selling the cover call. So that is 4% I made on my stop, on my money in one year versus the bank at 1%. Now, the second year, the stock doesn't do anything, and my dividend is 2.5%. So now, all of a sudden, in two years, I made 6.5% on my money because I invested in covered calls, and it reversed on me, whereas the bank, I would have made 2%. So I'm coming out 4.5% higher on the cover call money. And that's all with only doing it once. You and I both know how to unwind or stay current so we could still generate income coming in. Mhm. Right. Well, that's a, that's great. I I think you you really kind of explained a little bit, you know, the difference to why the market has a is more favorable than just holding your money into um, a savings account or something like that where you're getting. Now, you know, another thing that comes up a lot of times, people are, uh, based on the fear that we talked about the market pulling back, there's a lot of people who sell um, annuities and so forth like that. So as a as a tax person, what do you see the value of that? Because that's a, uh, that seems to be secure. People like that secure. So they, somebody can talk to them about that. So what would you tell your your clients who are um, who who are maybe looking at wanting to be in a safe situation where they'll say well, we can guarantee three um, percent or four percent? 
in an annuity. What do you think about that? An annuity is an insurance contract, so you have to do your homework and make sure that insurance company is the highest rated and they're not going out of business. And that doesn't even guarantee that in the future they won't be out of business because they're, you could go back to the 08 financial crisis and a lot of companies that shouldn't have got out of business went out of business. With that being said, once you lock in that annuity, you're usually locking it in at that 3.5%. So if interest rates rise, you're still locked in at 3.5%. You can't get out of that. Whereas with the stock market, if the interest rates rise, we're going to make more money as well. Mhm. Well, that, that's a good point because I I just recently got somebody somebody had sent me um, a link telling me how wonderful this one company was. And you know, again, we don't think about the fact that insurance companies can also go broke. You know, and what happens to all the monies that we put into those policies? Uh, so. That's always a fear. So there's there's nothing really sure, but we have a sense that the U.S. market or stock market is continuous. It hasn't, you know, it has had its decline, but people still make money whether the market goes up, goes down, or stays the same. And uh, so there again, I, I, I concur with you on that one. And um, another thing I wanted to ask is that, what are some of the successes, you know, your clients have gotten with you? you? You know, do you want to share some stories that you have? People always like stories, you know, like of successes. So I've had uh, some clients that came in. Who, they transferred from the East Coast to the West Coast. And he was transferring his retirement account over as well. And I just wanted to, I asked him how is he doing it, if he has a financial plan or if, what's he want to do, if he wants to be self-directed. And he said, yeah, I want to be self-directed. So I introduced him to our mentor. He was able to buy 500 shares of Netflix. And Netflix came out with their earnings, and he was doing a volatility trade, which you know we try, we buy the shares, and then we wait for a $1 or $2 uptake on the stock. Well, his he was waiting for a $2 move higher in the stock. Well, he got a 20-point higher move in the stock. So he was able to pay for all of his education with that one trade, and it gives him patience and time to understand what he's doing and keep going to our class. That's probably the best success story that I have to share with you. Great. Now, I know that you know a lot of time people uh, who invest in... Um, in the market, would like to be able to leave a legacy. So, I mean, you know, I, that's one of my goals and everything. But tell me, um, how would you tell a family that say, you know, they would like to leave a legacy so that the money that the principal stays, but it continues to grow, but yet you can continue to get receive income. So how would you, how, how could a family structure that or an individual well, our- structure that? Our government has given us an IRA and a Roth IRA, traditional IRA or Roth IRA. And you could actually convert a traditional IRA to a Roth and start generating money tax-free in the Roth. Hold on one moment. Sorry about that. I'm getting over a cold. So the Roth IRA is is actually one of the best inventions that our Congress has given us since sliced bread, meaning 
your money in a in a Roth IRA you goes in after taxes, so you, that means you do not get a tax deduction today. But what you're giving up for today, you're making a sacrifice, is all of that money is going to grow tax-free, not tax-deferred, tax-free until you withdraw it. So if you have an account with $100,000 and you're able to double that every five years, give or take, after about... 20 years, that 100,000 is going to be 100, it's going to go to 2, 2 is going to go to 4, so you're going to have about $800,000 a year, or $800,000 account, generating at least five to $6,000 a month tax-free income, so you never have to touch your principal. That money is going to grow with inflation in the stock market, and then this is even the best part, and I always geek out on this part. When you pass, that money goes to your your heirs tax-free. So if you had had it in a traditional IRA and it was an $800,000 balance, they would owe income tax on $800,000 worth of income because it's never been taxed. Whereas a Roth, that's given to them tax-free and they could do with it as they want and not have to worry about taxes. Estate taxes are beyond the scope of this question and this call. But there may be a, there may be estate taxes, but I don't want to get into all of that. I just want to, you to understand that the Roth, the principal money is tax free when you when your heirs take it out. That's huge. Good. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, we have to really think about the planning, um, and that's why I think you know your your uh, your information is so important. Now, another question is that you know, uh, I'm like you said. Uh, I'm sure we can't get into all of the details because every family is a little different, but I, I really appreciate you sharing that difference between the IRA versus having the Roth IRA and uh, and having a plan. So when someone comes to visit you and they say, this is my first time, and what would you do? You would set up, you know, as being that you are the CPA, do you also say, okay, we do the taxes for this year, but we also look down the road to seeing is that something that you offer as part of your service? No, that would be more of a financial planner. My job is to, well, at the same time, that is part of me because let me tell you another story. So when I get 18-year-olds who choose not to go to college and they start working for a company, and I know that company offers a 401K, I tell them I need you to start contributing to your 401K. And they don't understand why, and I'll sit there and explain them the tax-deferred benefits of doing it, how much saves them on their taxes, and that they also have time on their side. They're 18. The miracle of compounding interest is on their side. So the younger you start, the more money you could save up to. So starting at 18, it's really easy to save to a million dollars. Starting at 40, you could still do it. It just takes more capital to get to a million dollars. But the 18-year-old's... I just I want to mold them, so I'm really passionate about teaching them about 401ks and saving their money. And I always end with this: I tell them, 20 years from now, when you come back in my office, I don't want you to say, "I wish I would have listened to you." Look at what my friend was contributing to it; his account's million plus. I want you to come back 20 years from now and say, "Thank you for educating me. I am so glad I listened to you because this is my account balance." So I'm trying to help my clients become more financial savvy and understand 
it's not about living for just for today, but they also need to save in the future. And there are several vehicles to do that. It's just which one they want to choose that's best for them. Good. Well, that's excellent. So, um, Chris, how would how do we get in contact with you? Um, would you like to tell us what your um, web uh, your website is and sure, my, your two? Go ahead. My norm. My normal website is HaroCPA, that's H-A-R-O-C-P-A dot com. And then for your do-it-yourselfer, home gamers, I have another website where they could do their tax return online, which is ITC1040.com. So that's in the cloud, or ITC1040.com, and they could do their taxes online. And the good thing about that is it saves their information for next year, it's in the cloud, so they don't have to worry about where they put their tax returns, and they just continue on next year. Great, great. And so if um, someone, you know, if we were to say, I I really want to do this, and, you know, I did my taxes with you before and now, but I have some questions. Do I need to, um, can I still do the ITC1040.com? Or shall I just go to your website and um, do and have a conversation with you? They would need to call in at this time. The ITC website is strictly online only at this time. In the future, I want to have it to where I could call you or you could call with your questions, but at this time, it's not set up that way. But if you just go to my regular website, H-A-R-O-C-P-A, and mm-hmm. you'll be able to... Same lady, you'll be able to reach me and we could talk unless I'm on the phone. Right. Okay. Well, uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell our uh, listeners in terms of something that they could take away? You know, we've talked of, of kind of a wide variety of things here. Is there something specifically you would like for your uh, like for our listeners to know and and take away from our from our interview? Yeah, there is. Last time we talked, we spoke about a book called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. It's available on Amazon. It's a small book because a lot of people like to procrastinate and don't want to sacrifice to reach their financial goals. So by buying that book, you could – or the, let, me re, let me start back up a little bit. The premise of that book is if your life depended on it and you had to eat a frog within 24 hours or you would be killed – is it best to wait until the 23rd hour to eat that frog while you're sitting there agonizing 22 hours about doing it? Or just eat that frog in the first hour and be done with it and save yourself all of that extra stress? Obviously, the book isn't about <clears throat> that deep, but it's about how to save your time, how to get started on whatever you want to work at. So in this case, a lot of people have fear, have procrastination issues about getting started, and that book would help you on that way to getting over those procrastination issues. And so, again, it's uh, Eat That Frog by Brian uh, Tracy. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Eat That Frog. I'm going to have to check that one out for my my procrastination. <laughs> you know what? Um, and lastly, um I guess I wanted to say how much I really appreciate you sharing your 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 information and your and your expertise. Um 
And of course, um, I want to know if uh, if someone wanted to call you personally, do you have a phone number that you could give out just in case they could sure. go to the website? They could go to the website, but the office number is seven one four nine nine four one six three four. That's seven one four nine nine four one six three four. Okay, good. Well, again, I wanted to thank you for your time and your expertise. And um, again, I'm going to have to look at converting my IRA to a Roth IRA so that I can leave a legacy. That's something that I'm really kind of interested in, and I'd like to talk more with you about that. And again, we've been speaking with Chris Haro, a CPA. And again, Chris Haro, it's harocpa.com if you would like to reach uh, Chris and ask him more questions and uh, perhaps uh, get an understanding of his view about how to invest and trade in the stock market. As a CPA, he's very, very helpful and has given us some great insights for today. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you for having me. Okay.